Something Wonderful right away is getting a brand new second edition. Is it fair to call it Something More Wonderful? I think that is an absolutely appropriate ad line. Yes, there's a lot of new stuff in it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 865, Something More Wonderful. Playwright Jeffrey Sweet's Something Wonderful Right Away, first published in 1978, is an oral history of Chicago's Compass Players and Second City and was, for many years, one of the very few books available about improv. Now this granddaddy of improv books is getting a second edition, and Jeffrey Sweet was in Chicago last month to talk about it. Jeff started my conversation with him by highlighting some of the new material this second edition contains. There is a never-before-published interview with Viola Spolin, and some of which came as a surprise to her own family. <laughs> oh, we didn't know that. Uh, there's a new interview with Keegan-Michael Key which I think raises some provocative uh, uh, issues. Um, and there's a, there's a, there are lots of stories, because a lot of the people I interviewed, I met them when I interviewed them, and a lot of these people ended up being friends, and so I tell stories about Mike Nichols and Barbara Harris and Paul Sills and uh, Joan Rivers and, and so forth, because th these people stayed in my life. Plus... Um, at one point, I did a solo show called uh, You Only Shoot the Ones You Love, which I did off-Broadway. Got a good review out of the New York Times, in fact. And so there is a, a print version of that. I've edited it so that um, uh, it becomes a thrilling reading experience, even minus my, uh, my intonation and expert comic timing. Bravo. Can you talk about, I mean, Viola Spolin arguably the grandmother of improv, the founding mother of improv? Absolutely. Viola Spohn deserves all of the, uh, all of the accolades and all of the credit that she, uh, um, that she deserves. There's a, yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> she, she basically, although she would do, didn't think that she was doing this, she basically, uh, when, she was, when she was initially doing it, she basically invented the theory of, that all of improvisational theater is based on, which is how to how to set rules for um, a game, the byproduct of which is some kind of theater. And uh, everything uh, that has come since, her son, uh, Paul Sills, uh, created Second City, and he uh, used his mother's uh, games as uh, the training for being able to do this stuff. So yes, it's absolutely her. Now, there are other people who worked in a um, uh, similar field. There was... Um, um, Oh, come on now, the, 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 the Brit who just died. Uh, impro, Keith Johnstone. And Keith Johnstone makes passing mention that Viola exists in one line in his book, Impro, uh, which acknowledges that he knows who she, she was and probably was familiar with some of the theories. And Johnstone added something that I think came out of his British background, which was he added a negotiation over status, which we Democratic Americans, of course, would, would never uh, uh, do. Yeah, but um, she basically she she laid out the basics, and a lot of other people have come along with new new developments and new ideas, and uh, 
uh, and and refinements. You know, you've got the kitchen the kitchen table rules that um, Elaine May and Ted Flicker and uh, Del Close invented in St. Louis that have been uh, useful in guiding premises for a lot of people. Um, you've got uh, you know stuff that Martin Demott came up with. You've got stuff that Michael Gelman has come up with. You've got stuff that Del Close came up with. Uh, some of this stuff, by the way, is contradictory. You know, you look at uh, T.J. and Dave's book, and uh, T.J. and Dave are arguably two of the best improvisers on the scene, and they point by point r refute an enormous number of the things which seem to be uh, boilerplate in improv. But um, still, I think there's a larger consistency, which is how to stay in the present, how to uh, how to build something in cooperation with the other people on the stage, how to stay honest. Um, and um, that's an awful lot of what to, what Viola was going for. Well, it's because she's so fundamental, it's surprising to me that she wasn't in the book the first in the first issue of the book. Was it, is there a story there? There is a story there, which is that I did indeed interview her, and she refused to sign the release. She said, um, I, I said, Viola, you're supposed to be the first chapter in the book, and you haven't signed the release. And she says, I'm not going to sign the release. She says, I've decided... All my life, people have been making money off of me and my work, and I've decided to draw the line here. And I said, you're drawing the line in the wrong place if you think I'm going to make any serious money off of this. This is, this, this is silly. And she said, well, I'm sorry, honey, but this is my decision, and I'm standing by it. And so she, um, the interview just sat there uh, for 40 years, more. Uh, and... Uh, I ran into her subsequently when the book came out. After the book came out, I ran into her, and she swooped over to me and said, "Oh, honey, do you hate me?" I said, "I said, no, of course I don't hate you. I think you're a wonderful person and a wonderful teacher. I think you made a mistake, but of course I don't hate you." And then she, "Oh, good," and she floated away. And then uh, after she died, uh, she stipulated in her will that a, a picture of her be sent to me. So she said, "You know, a picture of her and her uh, her husband Colmus." Uh, looked down for me, uh, looked down on me uh, from a bookshelf. But um, some years later, I wrote an article about her for a theater magazine called Dramatics. And the magazine put her uh, face on the cover, and uh, I got a call from Carol Sills, who was her daughter-in-law, and of course was married to, to Paul. She says, "Oh, a cover girl. Viola would have been thrilled to be a cover girl." And I said, well, if that's the case, do you think you, you now control the estate? Yeah. Can I please, if I go to another edition, can I please use the interview? And she said, of course. And so uh, here's uh, this, uh, this interview that I did somewhere in the mid-'70s. Finally, I'm allowed in 2023 <laughs> to share this. And it's a good interview. It's not, you know, you're not going to hear cymbals crash in the orchestra of Blair. But but there's some interesting insights into into how and why she did this, and uh, uh, that in a sense she sort of stumbled onto something that she didn't understand the significance of until other people, you know, started telling her. She didn't even call them games. The word games came into play when uh, she was writing the book that her son kept saying you should write a book, and they were trying to come up with uh, with terms. And my hunch is, although nobody's confirmed this for, for me, that, that Paul may, may have come up with the word games. Um, but games are the, are, the right, uh, are the right word. Games are instructions for how to keep play going forward. 
This is Sharna Halpern, producer and director of I.O., formerly Improv Olympic, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? Next week, we'll perform the complete history of comedy abridged four times in North Carolina at the Blumenthal Center in Charlotte on July 13th and 14th and twice at Appalachian State University on July 16th, 2023. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Facebook page or Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with Jeffrey Sweet talking about the new edition of Something Wonderful right away. Were there discoveries that you made in revisiting your book that for this new edition that surprised you? Um, no, because I'm not, not big discoveries about the material because I, I knew those interviews uh, pretty well and I, I got to know many of the people very well. Some of them became friends. I mean, Mike Nichols and Stiller and Mira and Barbara Harris uh, uh, all, all became friends of mine. And I, I had the pleasure of spending a fair amount of time with them and Del Close and, and, uh, and, and Bernie Solins. Um, one of the things I discovered was I had accidentally written Act One of the Second City story. And the, uh, the act ends when, um, uh, with Gilda and uh, some of the others going into SNL. Right. The last chapter of the original book was Gilda was with Gilda, and Gilda was one of the first stars of SNL, and indeed, I think the first act of Second City Story ended with SNL, because after that, because so many people went to SNL from Second City, audiences came to Second City to see the next SNL star, and actors came to Second City in in hopes of being the next SNL star, and so after that, there was no innocence about, oh, we're just doing this for the art, but... Yeah, it, it, that was that was one thing. Was I inadvertently uh, uh, written the first act of the story? Um, another discovery was that the book had meaning beyond what I intended. That it, it ended up uh, people ended up reading the book and being inspired by it and um, devoting their lives to this thing they had discovered through me. Uh, I feel slightly guilty because you know. I've, I've waylaid all these people. It's like, you know, I'm thinking of the old dope peddler, the, the good Tom Lair, you know. Um, right. So many people, my wife included, came to Chicago because of your book. Thank you, Jeff Sweet. Ah, my, my pleasure. You know. um, but, yeah, that's that's one of the things. It's, I, I think I, I, I've said it before, but it bears saying it again. Uh, for people who were going into the theater when I was first going into the theater, the inspirational book was Harold Clorman's book The Fervent Years, mm-hmm. which was about uh, uh, his me- his memories of the group theater. People read uh, this book about the group theater and the idealism of that, and uh, people who wanted to reject the commercialism of, of, of Broadway and, and stars and all that sort of thing and wanted to embrace uh, art and ensemble-based and socially conscious stuff. And an awful lot of uh, people who read that book were influenced to create things like Circle Rep and Steppenwolf, I'm sure, uh, came out of that aesthetic, and God knows how many others. But um, something wonderful right away seems to have had a similar effect as uh, as the fervent years, as people reading the book saying, oh, I want to do that work. 
I mean, Mick Napier told me he read the book in college, and that's what brought him to Chicago. And so, you know, he's now 60 years old, and he's been running uh, the, the Annoyance for God knows how many years. Yeah. But I, I, I warped his young life at... Uh, at uh, <laughs> Tender age. 18, 19, yeah. something like that. Well, and, and, and he has a book... Uh, out, you, 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 the 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 shelves are filled with um, how-to books about improv, yeah. and even more histories of Second City specifically and uh, Chicago theater generally. Are there improv books that you like that you recommend that you've seen? Well, there are shards in a lot of them. I mean, T.J. and Dave have a book out that has um, uh, some insights in there that I, had not occurred to me before, uh, particularly. Uh, I'm not going to go into uh, defining this. Go find the book. Or go to uh, <laughs> go to TJ's garage where he says he's got lots of copies sitting. Uh, but the concepts of uh, heat and weight at the beginning of a scene, I thought, well, that's an original concept, and I can use that. I can steal that. Sure. Um, but um, I thought that Keith Johnstone's book, Impro, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, he focused in a way that uh, Viola Spolin didn't, on how people negotiate over status in scenes, yeah. which I thought was a particularly British insight, yeah. and because it's a class-ridden society, whereas we in America, of course, have no classes, um, or at least we, we're reluctant to admit that we have classes. Uh, maybe maybe it's just because I'm a fan of British comedy, but I've always I, that that doesn't seem like a a blazing insight to me about status. No, but but here in, in America, where we are. Every, everything in British uh, comedy and drama seems to somehow relate to, to, mm -hmm. to class, yes. whereas uh, we like to celebrate what we believe is our classness, classlessness in the United States, yes. even though it's a lie! <laughs> it's a yeah. lie! Yeah. Um, down with the egalitarian myth and American exceptionalism. Yeah. It's very difficult to write a book about improvisation because you can't put it into the book. You can sort of describe, it's like trying to write a book about jazz. Yeah. You can, trying to describe why a jazz solo is so terrific. What are you going to, what are you going to do? You, if you get too technical, the lay reader has got no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And otherwise, you just descend into using a lot of adjectives, and that's not useful either. So um, any book of, on a, about a performance art is very difficult to, uh, to get down on a page. And in some respects, uh, some of the most useful stuff has been videos. There's a terrific uh, documentary called Second to None, which was about the creation of um, a review that McNapier uh, directed called uh, Paradigm Lost. And that captures a lot of process. It captures some stuff that I thought wasn't likely to be capturable. Mm -hmm. And uh, the documentary on TJ and Dave, Trust Us, This Is All Made Up, which you can uh, rent from Amazon Prime, you know, captures uh, a, a, a terrific performance but you can extrapolate from that performance into into some theory. Uh, you can, if you analyze it, you can learn from that how to do certain things. Um, a lot of teaching is self-teaching, after all. You know, oh, I'm learning this by I'm realizing this, I'm analyzing this. I can extrapolate this theory from that practice. Right. Uh, some people some people can do it, and some people can't. But uh, I've always learned a great deal from taking a look at. Uh, startling and excellent things done by other people. How did they do that? And then when I figure out how they do that, I, I steal and give no credit whatsoever. <laughs> In the grand American tradition. Absolutely. I, at one point I wrote a play called Bluff and I 
I dedicated it to Lanford Wilson. And Lanford said, well, I'm honored. I thank you very much, but, you know, why are you dedicating this play to me? And I said, well, I, was, I either dedicate the play to you or you, uh, you sue me for plagiarism. He says, how so? And I said, there is one scene which is absolutely uh, uh, based on a scene uh, that you did in, in Lemon Sky. A, woman, a guy is talking to a woman who is dead about how she died. Now, of course, it's impossible for somebody to talk to a dead person about how they died, but this is the scene that would happen if he had that conversation with this person. So I wrote a, a, a scene about what would happen if a person who was 3,000 miles away suddenly became aware of what was happening in this room, mm -hmm. and she came into the room. I said, it's the same idea. He says, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you did steal that from me. I said, yes, thank you. And so you've got your dedication, so leave me the hell alone. <laughs> That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. The second edition of Jeffrey Sweet's Something Wonderful Right Away is available now from your favorite bookshop. Send us your life-changing books via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareance.com. You can also follow Jeffrey Sweet on Twitter at JWSweet. Thanks, as always, to author of Yes And, a memoir about how his improv training helped him navigate the death of his wife from cancer and become a single dad, Matthew Croak. Web services by Ginger Power Limited and music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Ben Richardson. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Sharna Halpern, the founder of Chicago's Improv Olympic and the author of Truth in Comedy, the Manual of Improvisation. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 865-2595ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, after bios, email newsletters, and so much less. 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 And so much less.